Hi there! Welcome to the Healing Unscripted podcast, where we talk about all of the complicated, beautiful, infuriating aspects of healing. I'm Megan, and I am so glad you're here. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and welcome back to Healing Unscripted, the podcast. I am so excited today because we are going to talk all about what it means to be neurodivergent and suss out if maybe there's a chance you are neurodivergent. So if you're listening and you're thinking, um, what does neurodivergent even mean? Or if you're listening and you've heard the term, but you've heard it used a bunch of different ways, that's the first thing we're going to do. Let's define the word neurodivergent. So let's break it down. Neuro means brain, essentially, and divergent means to separate, to be different from. So neurodivergent is a brain that is different. And uh, neurodivergence brains are neurologically neurologically different from the norm in some significant way. And this can take all kinds of forms. Um, Two of the biggest and most prominent examples in psychology right now are ADHD and autism. These are two major forms of uh, neurodivergence. But there are others. Uh, Giftedness, high sensitivity, uh, learning disorders, dyspraxia, dyslexia, epilepsy, synesthesia. And there are even some people who are pushing to include mental illnesses, in the um, categorization of neurodivergent. The main reason being because when you have a mental illness, your brain chemistry does work differently. Neurologically, your brain is different. And so that would make sense. So this means there are sort of two categories of neurodivergent that I think it's important to consider. There's the category of things that if we could fix, we would. Things like depression or anxiety. You know, nobody wants to be depressed or anxious. And it's not like, oh, this is just my brain works. I just find no joy in anything. And that's okay. You know, like nobody, I mean, there's a certain sense of peace and acceptance that a lot of us come to when we live with depression. But if we could cure our depression, at least for me, I would do it in a heartbeat for sure. But there are other forms of neurodivergence that are not that way. For instance, a huge push in the autism community is people coming forward and saying like, look, I don't want you to fix my brain. My brain works just fine. It's just an autistic brain. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I need acceptance and accommodations, not cures and treatments. And I think it's super important to listen to the autistic community when they say that, because the people living with these experiences are the ones who know what's going on better than any doctor ever will. Um, so it's, it's super important to listen to the lived experience of neurodivergent folks. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what it means to be neurodivergent. Neurodivergence is an umbrella term that covers all kinds of different experiences. And it's important to recognize that the neurodivergent community is a very diverse community. Um, there are lots of different types of neurodivergence and all kinds of people can be neurodivergent. Uh, neurodivergence is tragically underdiagnosed in um, historically oppressed um, demographics. For instance, uh, black folks get diagnosed with ADHD way less, and instead they are often diagnosed with oppositional defiant disorder because in our society currently, black people are often seen as inherently defiant, inherently rule-breaking, which is, of course, utter nonsense. 
So as you can tell, being neurodivergent looks different for everyone. It's going to look different based on your culture. It's going to look different based on the type of neurodivergence you resonate with and identify with. Um, it, It looks different in so many ways, but there are a lot of things that neurodivergent people actually have in common. And the trick is we do them for different reasons. So let me give you an example. Um, For instance, messy bedrooms is a really common thing among people who are neurodivergent, but it can be for completely different reasons. People who are depressed often have messy living spaces because they honestly don't see the point in cleaning anything when life is so utterly empty and pointless. Whereas someone with ADHD might really want to clean their space, but every time they try to, they try to do the dishes, for instance. All of a sudden, in order to do the dishes, they have to put stuff away on the counters. And when they put stuff away on the counters, they have to pay a bill. And when they go to pay a bill, they see that their email inbox is overflowing. So they try to organize that. So you see what I mean? So there's very different reasons, but we do still tend to have a lot of stuff in common. So I thought it might be helpful if we went through a couple of things uh, included in that. So this is not the full list. Um, I have a full list of 21 signs you might be neurodivergent, which you can check out on my YouTube channel, uh, which I will put that link in the show notes. But here are a couple examples just to get you started if you're thinking, yeah, I've never totally fit in perfectly and I've never really felt like I belonged anywhere and I've always just felt a little different. If you've always had that sense, there's a really good chance your brain just works different and that's okay. So let's take a look at some of the things that we tend to have in common when we are neurodivergent. So the first one I've already mentioned, it is task multiplying. This is when you go to do one task and suddenly it turns into 80. If you haven't seen it, Katie Osaurus at Katie Osaurus on TikTok has an amazing video about this. I will link to their channel in the show notes so that you can find it. Um, It's an incredible explanation of how this works, but essentially what happens is you try to do one task like cleaning the dishes and it magically multiplies into 80 tasks so that either you get distracted and don't end up doing the thing you originally wanted to do, or you get paralyzed because you can't face that many tasks. It's too overwhelming. And so either you have trouble starting or you have trouble finishing and either way, it's a real pain in the butt. Another really common experience amongst people who identify as neurodivergent is trouble with eye contact. A lot of people with ADHD find eye contact distracting, while folks with autism find eye contact painful. And uh, people who are highly sensitive might feel like their eyes are almost the window to their soul and they, they don't trust everybody with that. And so there's lots of reasons we avoid eye contact, but avoiding eye contact is definitely a hallmark of neurodivergence. Another big one that I think gets missed a lot is this idea of missing the obvious, but picking up on the subtle. So often, I think neurodivergent people are described as space cadets, (laughs) people who are always zoning out, not paying attention. We're described as oblivious a lot because we do. We miss really obvious stuff sometimes like, damn, how did I miss that? Right. But then um, (laughs) then we end up picking up on all of this subtle stuff that everybody else seems to miss that seems super obvious to us. And that actually might be why we miss the obvious stuff, because we're flooded with so many subtleties. That's what we're focusing on. And we end up missing the stuff that's right in front of our face. Finally, one of the biggest issues for neurodivergent people is something called executive dysfunction. And it is honestly the biggest pain in the butt, let me tell you. 
And so let me describe what it is. Basically, executive dysfunction, imagine that you have dishes in the sink and you want to go do those dishes. You're currently sitting in the chair scrolling through your phone and you think, I should go do those dishes, but then you don't. And then you think, I I really want to get up and go do those dishes, but then you don't. And then you think, this is ridiculous, just get up and do the dishes, and you still don't do it. So executive dysfunction is when you want to do something, you are actively trying to do something, and you still can't do it. If you've always defined that as laziness, I am here to tell you that that is incorrect. Laziness, if it exists at all, which I'm not convinced of, uh, laziness is when you don't want to do something, and so you don't do it. Personally, I would probably call that something like self-care instead of laziness, but that's laziness. When you want to do something and you feel for some reason incapable of doing it and you can't figure out why, that's called executive dysfunction. That is a misfiring in your brain that is preventing you from doing the things that you want to do. And I personally have been on a huge journey with my executive dysfunction. Two years ago, it was truly at its worst. It was awful. I was freelancing at the time and I had all of my bosses mad at me because I wasn't turning anything in on time because I couldn't get it done and I couldn't work and I didn't know why. And I wasn't getting anything done around the house either. I I wasn't doing anything fun because I felt bad because I wasn't doing the stuff I was supposed to be doing. I basically spent all of my hours every day just feeling awful and stressed and not doing anything about it because I couldn't because I was trapped in executive dysfunction. So yeah, two years ago, it was at its worst. (laughs) Now I would say if two years ago, executive dysfunction ruined my life like 90% of the time, I would say executive dysfunction now ruins my life like 30% of the time, (laughs) which if you, if you have experience with executive dysfunction, you know, that is a huge improvement. And I would take that any day of the week. Um, So what's changed, right? What did I start doing differently? One really big thing changed. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is the secret to executive dysfunction. Are you ready? It's compassion. And I know you don't want that to be the secret. You want the secret to be some app or planner or strategy. But I'm telling you, the truth is my life got so much better the moment that I decided I was not inherently bad. The moment I realized that who I am as a person is kind of okay and kind of acceptable, maybe. None of these thoughts were hugely positive, right? I wasn't like, I'm the best and everything's great. I started really small. I started with, maybe I'm not the devil, you know? And starting with those thoughts, I was able to grow into these thoughts of, I'm empowered. I get to choose what I do and when I do it. And when I don't get to choose, when my brain misfires and I experience executive dysfunction, that is not a personal or moral failing. I'm just going to say that again because I needed to hear it over and over and over. Executive dysfunction is not a personal or moral failing. It does not say anything about your character that you experience this. It just says that you're neurodivergent and there's nothing wrong with that. So often neurodivergent folks are told that we're a broken or bad version of normal and we're not. We are a whole and successful version of neurodivergent. I think that's so important to remember. And that's really where my self-compassion started, finding this neurodivergent community and learning to accept the way my brain works and find 
tools that work for it. So if you're interested in doing this work, I actually have a program that you can join where we will do this work together. It's called Neurodivergent Magic, Get Shit Done in 24 Hours or Less. And the goal is it's a nine week long program. And by the end of the program, I want you to be able to wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I'm going to do laundry today. And before you go to bed that night, you will have started the laundry. I can't guarantee it'll be done, but I can guarantee you will have started it because we are going to do, it's a two-pronged approach. We're going to do emotional work and we're going to learn practical skills. And together, you are going to see such a difference in your experience with executive dysfunction. At the time of this recording, there are only four spots left in the program. There were originally 10. Six of those spots have been filled. So if you're interested in joining, I would recommend getting in as soon as possible by going to the link in the show notes. I would love to have you in this program. It's going to be such a close-knit community of neurodivergent people learning to embrace their brains, learning to embrace themselves, and learning the tools that they need to live lives they want to live. So yeah, I hope to see you in the program and thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the Healing Unscripted podcast. Thank you so much and I will see you next week.